Well, welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, everyone. I have sent out the invite to my fabulous co-host, and I think she is making the connection now. And we'll get our conversation started. Please don't be shy. Come on up and join us in conversation. I have um, kind of thrown out some topics, which I listed when I posted the space of things that I feel are on, you know, uh, the radar um, advocacy arenas and things that I feel that we should kind of keep our our eye on. And certainly uh, many of them are percolating in the news uh, media, which is a good thing. But sometimes um, these things don't percolate or percolate long enough. So uh, we need to keep making noise around them. And uh, some of those things are of course, Clarence Thomas, uh, the uh, SCOTUS, um, ethics is being really, really looked at. And Senator Sheldon Whitehouse has been working on bringing attention to that for a very long time. He has an act up. And in fact, um, the CERT Act, which is Supreme Court Ethics and uh, Recusal Transparency and um then um, we also have, of course, many things going on here in Tennessee, a lot of activism and attention being drawn, which I think can feed energy into many other states. Then um, the Dominion and Fox lawsuit, not sure what the actual status of it is, but I do know that it was be- supposed to begin today, but it has been delayed for a day and a lot of... Um, supposition being made around that and I don't know hopefully Mark will join us and we can get some legal viewpoints on that as well and um, the list goes on but as always here in advocacy arena we like to allow for organic conversation to take place around issues that are of importance to us the NRA had their local um their annual meeting fundraiser in Indiana. And then the crowd just moved right on over here to Tennessee uh, for more fundraising. And of course, the leaked documents that um, have uh, surely caused our diplomatic leaders to have to work extra hard. And um, just the craziness of the individual that was, um, you know, recently arrested, how young he is, the the rationale and reason around it. I mean, literally for status, it's just kind of nuts. These are the times that we're in. And also another story that like, is probably not making the national news, but I kind of would like us to talk about it a little bit. And it should be something that percolates a lot more and, and is discussed. And that is the U.S. life expectancy. The life expectancy for the U.S. has dropped as a country. But I was speaking to Gwen about it. I have been reading for some time. Nashville or Tennessee is our life expectancy is kind of way down there at the bottom, like in the 40s, maybe 49th. Not good. And some of the policies and things that uh, they're instituting, is they're not helpful toward improving 
our health in this manner. So anyway, these are just some things that I wanted to throw out there. I want to give my fabulous co-host an opportunity to say hello, greet you guys today, tell you um, what's on her mind. And I am going to send out some invites and again, encourage you to come on up, join in the conversation and also put some things in the Jumbotron uh, to give you some receipts and references because, you know, we're about um, facts <laughs> and um, solution-oriented conversation here. So again, I want to thank you for being here. Going to give Soul Sister an opportunity to um, say hello and invite anyone else who is in the space at this time to come on up and join us in conversation while I put some things up for you to uh, take a look at if you haven't already seen them. So Gwen, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, I think my two favorite stories uh, that that I read today uh, were calling uh, Clarence Thomas a welfare queen. That was uh, a high for me. And then uh, also a story about uh, Black doctors and Black communities and um, uh the community having a higher mortality rate than in other um, locations. And I think it's really significant. Um, one thing that I read was a doctor saying uh, about how, you know, uh, in other communities and in, in primarily white communities, it's like, well, my, my whole family is doctors, you know, they don't go into the healthcare system with the same type of, um, misgivings or um, distrust that is often found in um, black communities, but for, for good reason. I mean, it's, it's not as if black patients have been treated fairly or um, even looked at fairly. I mean, our, the, the medical books still have such disparaging and discriminatory language about how to treat black patients. So it's, it's not that big of a stretch to understand where that comes from. But um, the welfare queen, queen uh, uh, <laughs> moniker that has been put on Clarence Thomas today is hilarious because um, I know he hates it and he's been, he was hypercritical and uh, one of the people who often chastised and, uh, diminished and downgraded and denigrated um, black women specifically and to find himself at the center of that same criticism is um, it, it's karma and I, I, I'm, I'm here for it. Oh absolutely and I think it speaks volumes that he there is so much heat being um, and attention being drawn to his um, unethical behavior that um, he had to give a little and decide that he is going to revise his tax return. And I think that is um, significant. It's, it's the least thing that he can do, but the fact that um, he is not doubling down as they have so many times when these things are, are brought out. And we have, I think the Republican Party has certainly an ethics problem because our House Speaker here, who was uh, so proud of his expulsion of the Tennessee Three, is now undergoing some ethical scrutiny of his own. He is not... Um, 
according to reports, actually residing in the district that he is sent to represent. And it's something, as I have mentioned before, that has been talked about and discussed, but I had not gotten enough um, facts and evidence to really push that, but it it was not surprising to me. I uh, felt like it was probably true, but I'm not one to just... Um, latch on to sensational stories because there's also another one which probably is, is true as well that you know he has a mistress and 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 some other things and that they work in the legislative body there so um, a lot of those kinds of things are going on and I think it's interesting that the people who are always screaming about law and order and ethics and morals you know are the ones that the stories um come out about with the most horrific, immoral, criminal behavior that there is. And, uh, you know, um, Jim Jordan going to New York to have hearings about crime when the stats of crime in his own city is worse. So, oh, yeah. I mean, the hypocrisy just knows no and bounds. Definitely but not anyway. with this group. Definitely not with them. Yeah, yeah. I, but I do love to point it out uh, when it's just, you know, staring us in the face. And we do have um, two other speakers who have come up, uh, Jima, Riri, and Joseph. And did you notice who was first? I've been trying to get me some tea to calm my stomach. Um, Joseph, would you mind yielding to the ladies and allowing Jima Riri to go? Yeah, I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention because I was so busy. I'm usually good at that, but I was trying to, <laughs> yes, I was trying to get my tea and yes, it's pontificating on the, on the horrible, wretched, uh, immoral behavior of this uh, Republican party. Oh, oh so. yes. She, she can go first. Yes, definitely. Thank you, my dear. I appreciate that. Jima Riri, how are you today? I'm good. I'm I'm cold. It's very cold here in Illinois. We got some snow after having a beautiful weekend. <laughs> so, yeah, quite a different. Tis the... spring. <laughs> yes, and that's spring in Chicagoland. Uh, we've gotten used to this. And thank you, Joseph. I think you were first, but I do appreciate it. Um, I'm feeling really heartbroken today. Um, uh, the young boy, Ralph, who was shot, um, and I'm really, you know, when I see these headlines, oh, elderly white man, no, how about racist white man, don't bring elderly into this, a young man rang your doorbell, you could have chose not to answer it, if you were in fear, because a young man rang your doorbell, you could have called 911, um, I'm sorry, but that's just pure hate and racism, in my opinion. And being white, I'm pretty used to this because I, too, was brought up trying to be indoctrinated. Um, I had the blessing of living in a diverse community to have my mind be educated uh, better than my parents could. And my parents learned a lesson, too, about racism uh, when I was a child, when my mother went to work when I was in third grade, I don't think my mother, besides um, the babysitter that lived on our block that watched us, I don't think my mother knew that many black people. But when she went to work at a factory, Sanford Inc., you know, the ones that make Sharpies, <laughs> um, that's where she worked. And she worked with many black women and men 
and uh, Latin men and women. And so my mother finally got exposed to other people and started to realize that the things she had been told were not true. Um, And that was in the 70s. And so being that I was in the Midwest, I think I, I had the blessing of learning more about being with diverse. But what you have now is towns that are segregating. And it's not the same as it was when I grew up. And when I see stories about um, a 16-year-old who was an honor student who was going to wanted to visit West Africa, I mean, these things break my heart. Why would any Black American trust a white person? And I'm saying that honestly. I can't imagine being a parent and being Black and having to tell my child that you have to be afraid if you ring the wrong doorbell. You have to be afraid that somebody might come after you because you played your music too loud. Or, hey, if you're walking down the street with earbuds on and you're different from other people, someone might call 911 on you and you might die. I mean, these things are are real and they're true. We cannot whitewash them and we have to call it what it is. Why would you pull out a gun and shoot a child? It just, I mean, in my brain, it's hard to wrap around my brain. Why this? Nobody was breaking into your home. Nobody was threatening you. To me, that was just pure hate. And I I felt like I needed to say that today and to be honest about it. Um, Moms Demand Action, a great group. And I feel like I'm going to step up and get involved right now because I don't know what else to do. I need to make some good trouble, so I will be looking into volunteering and doing what I can. Physically, I can't um, march and knock on doors for a long period of time, but I could certainly send out text messages and find other ways to help because this is just tearing me up. The Sweet 16 party in Alabama, another one. The young woman who was shot, who was pregnant, um, was that in Tennessee, D, where the Walmart or the Walgreens employee followed her? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just torn up. I, I just, I have to make some good trouble. So with that, I'm going to land my plane and thank you. Well, I thank you very much for coming here and making some, some noise with us today. Um, and um, I, I feel um, very much as you do. It's, it's just um, sickening. And we can no longer just sit on the sidelines and go thoughts and prayers and, oh, this is awful. And it is important that we get involved, that we do something in some way. Um, all of us are not going to be able to go out and march, or but we can volunteer, we can text, we can, uh, as uh, Liz and uh, LMZ and others say, you know, retweeting is free. And I think that she is very involved in the um, Moms Demand um, action. And um, I think there are many ways that we can 
work to support organizations and initiatives that are doing good things, who are making good trouble. And I feel like when we come here or gather in certain spaces, that that is also a way of us making good trouble and doing something because we're kind of sharing, sharing our ideas. I feel um, inspiring one another and really staying informed and staying um, you know, encouraged to be engaged. And, and that staying informed part is important because it's staying, you know, well informed with information that is true and factual because um, on these social media platforms, it's very easy for um, you to get caught up in uh, information that is not factual. And that is part of the danger that we face going forward and it's part of why we are where we are because the news outlets like or or infotainment outlets like fox and and other places have been allowed to proliferate and now their podcasts there are just so many ways in which this propaganda is being pumped out and people are you know taking that in and responding and in ways that are not good or helpful to our society in very many ways most of it is very violent and ugly but um joseph is up next and i'm so glad that he's here and uh jima riri thank you for mentioning that young man because that was just i maybe trying to like block it out like i know that we can't but it's just so much pain. Sometimes it just hurts just reading about one more. So thank you for bringing that um, into our conversation today. And uh, Joseph, you're up next. Hi, Ms. D. Um, I'll try to keep this pretty quick as I can because I have a meeting in a little bit. Um, I was often on the app most of the weekend, so I'm trying to catch up on the news. But um, when you mentioned something about with the Supreme Court, you know, something that I was thinking about when I was driving to work this morning is the fact that really that, you know, Chief Justice Roberts is such a coward. I mean, he hasn't said anything right now. You would think that a man that is supposed to be, you know, the man in his position is supposed to be of the utmost integrity. And why he is not calling on Clarence Thomas to resign right now is absolutely mind-boggling. So it, it, it shows that he has no ethics himself and that the bulk of our Supreme Court is highly compromised and is very unethical. And that is embarrassing. Yeah, they're... But they're quick to really um, run out and, you know, give a um, pushback about people calling their integrity into question. Yet when evidence and receipt of their integrity being mm-hmm. questionable is presented, it crickets. You say nothing, you know, and that speaks volumes, actually. Yeah, it it. It really does. And it's just, it's so, it's so disheartening. And I, and it, this is why, like, you know, cause there's people out there right now that say, oh, that Clarence Thomas needs to be impeached. Um, okay. But look who is the majority party in the house right now. It's not going to happen. So this is why we need to work to make sure that we get the, that we get the house back in 2024 so that that is a possibility. 
um, because I think that the, the people that are are shouting for it right now don't uh, don't quite understand the mechanics needed for it to it to happen. I mean, don't get me wrong; I would like to see it happen, but we need to get the majority back in the house first so that we can we can see that that happen. And um, like you've mentioned uh, in previous spaces, Misty, about the ripple. Well, you know, all of us can make the ripples to make sure that we get, you know, the house back. And, uh, you know, and and that's something that I'm certainly working on um, right now. Um, uh, about, you know, the, the never-ending um, gun violence. Uh, yeah, I... I am trying to figure out what ways I can get involved in this. Uh, I know on Facebook, I don't know if they're active on Twitter. There used to be a group called Gays Against Guns, but I don't think, I haven't seen them too much here on Twitter. I have to look to see if they are on Twitter. They they had occasionally post on Facebook, but uh, hopefully if they're more active and all that there's, and I hope that there's ways that I can get involved with them because I'm just tired of it. Uh, we, you know, we're, I think we're all tired of it. We've just seen this happen. Exactly. Happen. And there's so, yes. And there's so many organizations that are building coalitions because up in the, the nest, I put um, a, an event that's taking place later this afternoon, which is a coalition of, Various different groups, uh, the Moral Monday, which has been um, the uh, cornerstone of Reverend Bishop Barber's work for some time. But these are being um, his efforts are being joined by that of uh, students demand, uh, moms demand, every town um, for gun safety and um, so many others. And this is where we come together on issues that affect all of us. And every single one of us are affected and have been, you know, affected by this gun violence. Because if, if we haven't, you know, like personally in some way, because it's happening so frequently all around us, I'm sure that there's this fear within all of us that it's possible because there's no place that you can go. A grocery store, a bank, a movie theater, in a park, you know, um, in a car, just, you know, just nowhere. I mean, it's like, um, it's sad. But yes, Joseph, go ahead and continue. I know you have a limited time here today. No, that's... uh that's pretty much what I was just going to wrap up with. Cause I have to land my plane cause I have a meeting in a few minutes, so I'll have to drop off, but hopefully my meeting won't run very long and I can maybe jump back in and, and listen once it's, it's over. So thank you so much, Misty for, for this time. I always appreciate uh, what you do and I always appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to speak. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. And thank you for coming in and, and sharing with us and, you know, your energy and your enthusiasm for defending democracy and calling things out. And I do hope um, your meeting is short. And if you're able to, uh, to come back and join us in the conversation and um, we look forward to it. But if you're not able to, I hope the rest of your day is awesome and appreciate the time that you've taken out to share with us. 
And up next, we have Renee. So glad to have her here. And uh, I know she's been pretty feisty on that timeline. So I'm looking forward to hearing um, her input because, uh, as I said, there is so much going on. My head is spinning. And, like, I kind of pulled back quite a bit. And when I tried to kind of ease into it today, it was like a quicksand. I was drowning, just swimming in it's so much stuff. But Renee, I'm so glad that you're here and look forward to hearing from you. So what's on your mind this afternoon? Hey, good afternoon. Hey. Good morning, though, to my, my West Coast peeps. Um, there is a lot going on. Uh, I'm watching this. Um, got my eye on two two things uh, that are, you know, I'm just, I, I can barely bring myself to tweet about because I'm so upset. One is this Ralph uh, Yarl situation. Um, I'm just praying for that young man. I'm trying to like, I know I just, I can't, it's like my mind has just like closed. It's just, um, yeah, kind of a defense mechanism. Yeah. Before before I get too angry, I want to focus my energy on just praying for him and his family and that he recovers. Um, And then we're, we're going off. Um, I'm really glad to see that the folks out there are protesting and, you know, they're getting to it. Just there's never a day's rest, but that's on my heart. And then I am watching to see if Abbott is going to, well, if the Texas committee is going to overturn, um, you know, is going to pardon that, that uh, guy, I forget his name, who killed the, the, the protest of the Black Lives Matter Um I know. So I'm watching that. I mean, Abbott made a, a guess, a recommendation, but it's not final. And um, I, it makes him look bad no matter what. So I'm just waiting to see what what the council is going to do because they actually have to take it up, um, and they may not. But even if they don't, um, I really want to use that to make him look even worse because uh, because they found all of those uh, racist. Uh, you know, social media posts of that guy right after his recommendation. So I'm keeping my eye on that because I I just want to revisit that when it, you know, when we kind of know finally what's going to happen. And these are the kind of cases that sometimes kind of come to the surface for like a couple of days and then they go away and and people don't kind of follow up to see what happens. So those are two things I have a pin in. Um, there's so much movement with all of Trump's cases. Like it's hard to keep them, keep them track. It's dizzy. Yeah, but it's fine. It's fine for me. I, I really, I probably should have gone to law school like my parents wanted me to, but, um, because I'm so like, it's just, I can't get enough of it. And it's just the combination of, you know, I really just enjoy kind of legal, I don't enjoy legal procedure, but I enjoy following kind of the story of it and the timeline of it. Um, It makes sense to me logically. Uh, And so just watching Trump get his butt kicked is like, is because, you know, I can't stand him. And, um, and I actually read something last night, you know, anonymous, I think Eli got rid of their Twitter account, their main, but they have a second account and they posted, which he is messing with the wrong. Yeah. People. I mean, he's just crazy, <laughs> but you know, he, he doesn't have any sense, but, um, but they posted last night and I actually have forgotten about, because I, I didn't, I don't think at the time I read that much into it, but the case of the, the woman who had accused uh, Trump and Ed Epstein of, of assault, 
um, this was like in 2016. Obviously, the assault happened years before, but right before uh, he was supposed to, you know, he won the the election and, uh, you know, that case came up and, you know, people questioned it and all that good stuff. But there's so much, you know, they basically put the the court documents, the filing on their their um, account. And I had never read into it that much. And I just was like, you know, if any part of this happened, um, it is just so beyond disgusting. And it is just... Is that the one with the young lady? Yes. Like she, she was, was like, 13. yes, I remember. Yes, um, yes. I mean, like a teen, like not even an adult, an, a legal adult. Yeah, and it's just disgusting to think that Republicans are so, especially these evangelicals, are so set on trying to destroy reproduction rights that they have attached themselves to the most disgusting human being that one has ever lived probably but definitely that was ever president of the united states it's just like crazy and comparing him i mean i've just seen all these posts i don't follow ron Filipkowski, but he's always all over my timeline so i see his posts and he's just nothing but a stream of you know like anti-trumpism so you know i get a kick out of his account but um they are so set on, you know, well, God wants Trump to be president again and he's God selected. And it's just like, you really think God chose this alleged rapist con artist to really like to lead his people. I mean, you know, I'm sure. I mean, like who amongst them that is saying that has really read the Bible? I mean, this, this is just like, Oh my God. Distortion of the Bible. Just like, I mean, people have distorted the Bible, you know, since, since it was written. Um, So, you know, there's no, this is no different, you know, people have used the Bible to, uh, to, excuse homophobia to excuse racism to excuse a a ton of awful things so you know this is no different but it just still is really um it's just so demented to to be attaching themselves to to this horrible 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 example of a human being um so I don't know. It's just crazy. But so I just it's like I, I read that the other day and I just thought, you know, all the people that, you know, tried to shame us for being happy that this dude finally got indicted. You know, you just they really just have some nerve because we we should celebrate it. And it's going to happen again. It's coming again. Um, his case, he tried to delay that. Now, Jean Carroll filed her case against him three years ago. And he has been delaying this entire time. I mean, it hasn't just been him delaying. There's been other things going on. Yes, he thought it was just going to go away. Yeah, Yeah, well, but yeah, he just, he wants to do, and it's it's the same tactics that he's used his whole career and that he's using, um, you know, with these other cases. But these, this, this is what I was saying. The day that he got indicted on his face that these judges are tired of him he has worn them the them down and so the judge today like literally i posted it because the judge today was like 
it's been three years and you getting old and she's getting old and I these are your tactics. You use delay tactics. I mean, just put it in black and white. Like you use delay tactics and we have actually I've told you about that. Did before. you put that in the Jumbotron? Well, you, Did you put that you up? No, I still cannot add things to the Jumbotron. <laughs> so okay, it's on it. your timeline. It is. I'll find it. It is. It's, oh it's probably goodness. just a couple of tweets down, but um Okay, but, you are a mess. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, the, the judge is just like you know, this this is it's been three years, and you have no reason to delay. So I will see you on Tuesday, and I guess he has to alert the court as to whether or not he's going to personally appear. He gave his deposition, um, and it's a civil case, so it's just you know, for with, with that is just more so seeing you know what else we may uncover and. Um, and him being embarrassed more than anything. So I just, you know, I hope she wins. Um, it's just been long enough and they will have other witnesses, um, you know, to kind of corroborate, I guess, his behavior because he's he's assault, either assaulted them before or he has sexually harassed them before. Um, so, you know, that will be interesting. Um, looking at your boy, Clarence. <laughs> Listen. Um, Clarence Thomas is not going to be impeached. This we know, but I don't necessarily need him to be impeached. I need him to be embarrassed and I need him to feel shame. And what I want is an investigation. That's still a long shot, but it's not impossible. And that's why I keep tweeting about it. But the shaming, yes. And the shaming is beginning. There, there are cracks. There are cracks because the fact that he is, you know, admitting basically well, he is, that he he didn't do it by revising it. But yeah, but crack. He's, he's responded. If you think about it this way, he has responded to every every article, basically, or new development that the media has put out. He's kind of responded in some way. That's not like Clarence. Clarence is usually very quiet about, especially when he wants things to go away. So, you know regardless Roberts isn't going to say anything because Roberts is a huge he's a punk that dude is a the only the, the only punk bigger than Roberts is Clarence but Roberts is a punk so he's not going to say he's hoping that this goes away and this is why I keep I tweet about this every day because I'm like don't get quiet you know if the, if we stay on it and we Clarence has been able to get away you know him and his wife have done so many horrible unethical and really like we could say illegal things at this point um and we we you know we go off about it and then they get away well when is it going to be enough i mean you think of the collection of you know of conflicts that he's had that have cost us dearly i mean these aren't just things that you know you know okay yeah maybe a ruling here or there this fool is trying to subvert democracy and continue to and sitting on his high his little high horse his little high pitch and continuing to rule over things that affect people's lives and are getting putting their lives in danger i mean it's just it's disgusting so you know people need to stay on it and this is where I credit the media because the media actually has done their due diligence. Pro-Republica, pro I have to get, give it to them. And I have to give it to television media, print media. All of them have followed up and have, you know, added their own wrinkles to this story. So why is it that they're finally doing their job on something and we're not able to match that with pressure because we don't think anything's going to happen? And that's why I said in one of my tweets, I'm just like, you know, we're living in unprecedented times. You know, a month ago, I probably couldn't convince half of the people in this room that Donald Trump was ever going to be indicted for a crime. 
And now where are we? So just never say never because I am very, very dedicated to uh, Clarence Thomas getting the hell off of my Supreme Court of Justice. Um, And I have been dedicated to that really since he became a justice, but I'm more dedicated to that in the last few years than I've ever been. And, you know, I don't know. I have a way. I have a way of bending the universe (laughs) to my will. So if y'all join me in this quest, we'll see what's possible. But I want him investigated. And I think at the very least, we may be able to get that. And that alone, I think, is I think we'll do. I don't know. It'll do some things. So I'm just saying, just consider it and keep your eye out on that case because I'm just kind of not giving up on, you know, like I said, this is legitimate. This isn't something that we, you know, you can discuss as, okay, that's unethical. What he's done in this this case, this case by not disclosing is like, it's truly against it. Any other justice would be stepping down. If he were a liberal justice, he would be asked to step down without a question because it's, it's, there's no question about this. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And then just the last thing, um, obviously everybody's looking at the Dominion case and, you know, it doesn't look like they're going to settle, but we don't know. And I am not going to feel, you know, calm about it until the trial begins and we really get kicking off. So whatever good vibes, prayers, candles you light, sacrifice the squirrel, we can do whatever we got to do because um, I do not want them to settle. I really want and need, and I think we all need, not just for Fox, but you think of all of these networks that go too far in spreading misinformation in, you know, in a, not necessarily lying out outright but allowing their guests to lie and not checking them the the case against fox will set a tone and a precedent that we need we need so we've got to see this thing go to trial now if it doesn't and they settle lord um you know they could possibly still demand certain things um you know that would be helpful it just won't be helpful as helpful them going to trial i don't know that we have a lot more discovery you know headed our way but you know fox has kind of been lying a little bit so yeah we probably will see a, a few more um you know a few more reveals but probably not much more but this is to me this to me is about rupert murdoch testifying I want that jerk for everything that he's done. Okay. I mean, you gotta think about all of the mess that Rupert, Rupert Murdoch has like everything that that man has done. Yes. We, we deserve to, to have to have him testify. And so, um, I'm demanding that. So dominion, do not make an enemy of me. <laughs> Don't settle because we we really need we need this case to to go to trial. So that's it. That's really all I have. It's a lot going on, but you know, there's enough of us to cover it all. So thanks for letting me speak, D. Well, thank you so much. And I am glad that you are keeping a focus on that because we all need to to find our um, issues that 
um, we can do that around. Uh, that way, we all get to amplify stories that maybe get dropped in the mainstream media after a few days and they have a new shiny object. But these are absolutely important stories. And I think it's important that you brought up a story that, of course, you know, um, surfaced early on in his presidency, uh, certainly when um, Epstein was being tried and and alive these stories were circulating and then they just uh, went away and it's important to uh, remember this because they continue their behavior doesn't change they just um, they have new um, new incidents that kind of just add to their awfulness. And he's done so many things since then, but that those are probably some of the most, you know, grotesque things. And I um, am always happy. I put your uh, tweet in the post, but always happy to, to follow, retweet your love and joy of um, putting these legal cases into wonderful, easy to understand layman's you know, terms. Thank you so much for saying that. I was, I, I've actually been surprised by the response that I'm getting on that. Um, Cause there are a lot of folks out here who break that stuff down and um, you know, who do it in their way. And I'm like, well, whatever, I'll just be silly about it. Um, there are a few people that I think are starting to low key bite off of my legalese that I have noticed and I'm just gonna like I told Marco I was like I'm just gonna put a pin in this and we'll just see if they keep it up because if they do then I'm gonna call them out but but no but I'm having (laughs) I'm having fun with it and I'm glad that people are enjoying it um because there's no reason why we can't have fun with it I think that again the law has taken a long time to catch up to him um and that you know, it's, it's, it's swinging in the, you know, in the, the area, and the lane of justice, right? So there's no reason why we can't kind of enjoy the accountability that's coming. And so, you know, however, I can kind of add some, some humor to that <laughs> and then help people yes. break some of this stuff down, make sure I understand it because, you know, nobody has time to read, you know, 30 page filing, um, but there's juicy stuff in there that I want people to. It really is. On. So, I mean, you're doing a good work and I, I love it because for the very reasons that you said, a lot of times people could understand it, but they've got to read, you know, 15 to 30 pages to get that. And I feel the concise way that you, you know, kind of condense it and do it in a humorous way, but a a factual way helps it um, to stick. And then if people want to dive in and and really get some of uh, some more facts and more in depth about it, then they can. And that's what I love about your tweets, because, I mean, you give me just enough to go, oh, oh, really? Okay. well, let me go digging. Let let me find out what else is behind this. So I I love that. And you do it so well. And that's the beauty, I feel, of this community. This collective is um, that so many people have so many different talents and actually different interests. But at the end of the day, it's important that we um, support and amplify one another because 
it's all, you know, helpful in the end to us saving our democracy. And I have sent out some invites. I know it's in the middle of the day, so not always able, uh, people are not always able to speak, but I don't want you to be shy. Uh, Come on up and join in the conversation. I would um, love to be able to have Renee's wit and talent at doing that with some of the things that are going on here in our state legislature and some of the clowns um, that are there. So if you have a little time, Renee, feel free to uh, take a stab at it because you're good at that. And I, um, like I said, there's so much there. And what it really points to me is that I have been talking about Tennessee since I've been doing these spaces. Not always, but I always try to uh, make people aware of what's going on here. And I know a lot of you know that, but there has been a shift. And the shift occurred because of a... um, a lot of incidents kind of coming together at at one time. The shooting, which was uh, horrendous and horrific. Those two young men who had already been involved in activism at um, the grassroots level before they even got there. And then um, the um, expulsion, the extreme reaction of this GOP because they thought that they could get away with it because everything that they have been doing it, you know, I've told you guys before that the media likes to pick up on Abbott and DeSantis a lot and a lot of the things that they were doing. And as I reminded you guys that Lee and what they were doing here was just as awful. And the only thing is, is that in some ways they were actually very successful in that they weren't calling attention to what they were doing. They were just busy taking away our rights. I put in the jumbotron for you some going back to 2021 when the CRT conversations got started. They took mouse out and we had a book burning here. People have probably, you know, kind of forgotten some of those things, but they have been chopping away at destroying our education and our voting rights and our civil rights. Like they had a trigger law when Roe went into effect. They couldn't even wait for the trigger law to uh, actually take place. They wanted to ramp up the trigger law. And then when uh, the actual kind of um, results, some of those uh, um, horrific stories of mothers and people's lives being in jeopardy. Now they want to try to put in some exceptions, but they're not even all fully um, um, supporting the uh, exceptions. But what I do love is that the Justins got them so angry and so scared. They brought in the troops. They brought in the cavalry that I don't think, now someone correct me if I'm wrong, But since they left office, I don't think Trump and Pence have been at the same event uh, since they left office. But to fundraise here for Tennessee, they both came together. And the reporting is that they were um, working on different floors. I didn't see any reporting around them like, you know, holding hands and putting the fist up like the Justins and the Tennessee Three. But they were all down here working. And I think that um, 
people should pay attention to that. And I want you, if you have not listened to the leaked recording, and, and we, there's some other leaked things too, but this leaked recording of the Republican body, like the, uh, the leadership, and uh, in a meeting after the expulsion, uh, after the expulsion that um, where they're like turning on each other, they're so mad at this one guy who, you know, was the one vote that kept Gloria in. And, you know, they're saying, you made us look racist. I mean, you know, not that all the other stuff that they're doing, but they're mad because it was so like, it was isn't like it, such a great Isn't example. it funny that racists no longer <laughs> like being called racist publicly? Like, when did that happen? I, like, you know, I love it. I've never been called racist, misogynist, exactly. and I also hate white supremacy. Well, I, I listened to that tape and, and I heard like I've never been called a racist my whole life. I was like, oh, you must be, you must stay around racists all the time then. Like, what are you talking about? Of course you've been called a racist, you dope. But I did hear that recording and um, if that's what's going down, I mean, I use you as a resource, but definitely drop in my DMs who else you're, you know, who else is, is a good resource for Tennessee, because it's really just you and that Brian, <laughs> that Brian guy who I, I made I made famous a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I know. I know. There, we have a few of them. I'm, I'm telling you guys, don't sleep on yeah, these guys. I mean, some of it, like the Tennessee Holler, I yes. mean, they were kind of like a nobody, but I'm I telling just, you, they have been they're on great. it. <laughs> I've just started following them too. So anybody else, definitely drop in my DMs because, but you could tell when it happened. And I mean, all of us were tweeting like mad that night that they expelled them, but it's like Republicans always go too far. And in the last couple of years, really since Trump, because Trump is kind of he's taken this to he's accelerated all of their um, I don't know. He used he's used fear just like a cheap tool. And it's really just turned all these folks out. Republicans have always played this game, at least in the last 10 years, where they know that they're the minority but it's like a secret and that's why they cheat to win because otherwise they know that they wouldn't win without voter suppression, voter apathy, and so many other games that they play. But in the last several years and kind of, again, as a result of Trump, it's kind of like the, their voters have come into an understanding that they're, they're in the minority as well. And so everybody's on this vengeful, very intense kind of, you know, approach and, they keep overplaying their hand. They did that leading into the midterms. They're going, <laughs> Ron DeSantis. I mean, he actually said if uh, they take Tennessee, they want well, Tennessee. And if they get Tennessee, there goes the Southeast. Well, but <laughs> right. But Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee, what, what happened? We knew that night when everything was going down, we knew that they were going too far and that they were going to, it was going to backfire. I mean, I had people texting me and I'm like, they're going to be reinstated, like chill, but I want you pissed off enough to donate to this organization. And I want you to tell all of your friends what's happening. Like that's, you know, that's kind of how you have to have to roll it. But they always overplay their hand. They always go too far. And he has, he has, he's done that to them um, because they just before, like I said, it was kind of like a covert op and now they're just out here 
being crazy about everything that they're doing and so they, they because they think that the, to 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 a mm-hmm. state that nobody was you know people weren't really thinking about tennessee like that and now it's like you've turned these people these the tennessee three international stars and now they're going to have a voice and people are absolutely going to pay attention and then the the tape the audio was confirmation of what we knew because it was you know all and what the there. Justins were and what the Justins were saying, like he literally said, basically, I can't stand the idea of this black boy walking in these hollowed yep. halls like they don't belong. Exactly. There. And then and then um, ending it with um, the irony of it is now Justin Jones um, moved here, but Justin Pearson is a Tennessean. He was born and bred here, as they say. And now this one who is talking about if they take Tennessee moved here. So they're not going to take the state I moved to, you know, and why did he move here? Because they felt it was ripe for them and their ideology and their agenda. And I am so happy that the national attention is being focused on them because, you know, they're going to start to scatter and they're going to start to recognize it is not a safe space uh, for you to be and operate because they've been doing it without any consequence. And as you said, the former guy kind of made them feel that they could do that and wherever they could get any foothold of power and oh man they yielded it and wielded it like you know nobody's business and that is what they have been doing here and they're continuing to do that i brought uh, donna up who we sparked something in her so i'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say so donna how are you today <laughs> I'm doing, and I hope you're dry down there. Uh, no, we are Florida. No, we are under um, severe weather, and today, <laughs> oh my god, it is raining and thundering. For you guys, yeah. it, and, but it, no, I, that, what I, I came up to tell you here is, um, and didn't even okay. Now that we're starting to dry there. out a little bit, now we have no gas. All the gas stations in Dade and Broward County. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness. That's insane. So, so uh, no, and from what, what I'm hearing, saying? they said we probably won't get a uh, delivery until maybe the weekend. So, what uh, I guess DeSantis so is going to add find to some way to the blame underwater that to drying out and it's still having thunderstorms. Now, we don't have any gas. Don't we have a wonderful governor? But you know what? He'll try to find a way to blame that on Biden, too. You know, they they always do. But that's good to know. And um, I'll be looking at that and seeing how we can drag him for that failure, because it's his responsibility as governor to take care of this, uh, the infrastructure of your state. And it has some unique challenges. But, you know, he knows the state that he represents and those challenges, and he should be able to uh, rise to the challenges. And he is failing miserably. I wonder if he's even like, uh, hopefully he's staying there because I know he was on a tour and I'm not sure if he joined these people over here in the fundraiser. I, I didn't, 
Uh, I think he was over here. I have to go look at that list again, but it was a whole big list of them. Like I said, Pence and, and Trump of sort certainly got my attention and Blackburn, Marsha. Yeah. Anybody, I welcome your helping me to um, call her hypocrisy out because, you know, she jumps on this timeline quite frequently talking about the fentanyl problem and yada, yada. When, you know, when she was in office, she, um, co-sponsored a bill that actually made it more difficult for DEA to uh, do their job in uncovering, you know, um, narcotic um, uh, abuse drug. Yeah. But, but the drug bust making it more difficult, I guess, around them being able to investigate and look at it. And then she tried to claim as they often do, that she didn't realize all the consequences of the bill, but I'm so happy that one of those DEA agents, um, um, leaders called her out and said, no, that's not true because I came to you before the bill was even put out there to tell you the, the harm that it could have to our efforts. But this is what they do. Like she's screaming about fentanyl being a problem, but meanwhile, she's pocketing millions of dollars from the big pharma um, lobbyist. And my understanding is they helped to write that bill that she co-sponsored, co-sponsored the same thing with thoughts and prayers for all these um, shootings and, and crime being problems elsewhere and ignoring what's going on here and refusing to do anything about it because she's pocketing money from the NRA. So um, I think it is important, as Renee said, because for a moment, I feel like that they had lost or had adopted Trump's inability to be shamed because he has no shame. But they were taking it on. But some of them are not quite as as good at at it as he is. So they do have the ability to shame, uh, be shamed. And I think with media attention and, and focus on them and these uh, grassroots organizations and protests calling light to it, um, that we can have some, some breakthrough, you know, go ahead, Donna. Sorry. Uh, it was a, a streak of lightning and a, and a boom and everything went out. <laughs> but it came right back. So lost my lights for a second. But I mean, it's 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 crazy. But I just wanted to um comment on what Renee said about Trump and him amplifying these people and their racism. Just last week we had two videos of the white woman who spit on this girl, and another man ran out of his car and ran up to this man's car, tried to punch him, and I'm like, okay, y'all need to stop. We're not doing that. They done lost their ever love in mind because, again, like I said, they're taking on this um, uh, Teflon um, inability to be punished or retaliated against from Trump. But y- y- y'all ain't Trump. You don't uh, have yeah, oh, service, mm-mm. you know. So <laughs> I have prayed daily. Please don't run up on me. Please don't. Because exactly. if woman, you do, yeah. you're going to pay daily. And when the police come to get me, I'll be that one that's smiling in my mugshot. I mean, that was just like, 
the audacity the or the caucasity to even think, I mean, that is not right to do to anyone. But the fact that you thought you could get away with doing this to a black woman, girl, please. I mean, I mean, the way she did it, she just did it. This is like, OK, I have all the right in the world to just walk up and spit on somebody. Yeah. Believe me, she would have never spit on nobody else. OK, because I'd have cracked her jaw. Let me see how you spit on somebody with your mouth wide shut. And she would have deserved all of it. That is the lowest form of disrespect is to spit on somebody. It really is. But this is, again, uh, where that um, white supremacy and that um, feeling of superiority and, and the ability to do anything without any consequences. And when you have people who are killing people and their governor is... Um, Offering to pardon them is, you know, right after their um, sentence. I mean, it kind of sends that signal that, yeah, you can do anything that you want and get away with it. Also, going back to our crazy GOP here, one of, in part of that that tape, the language he used, I thought was interesting. This is some. Uh, we need to stand our ground, you know, and this is the same crazy language um, that they use with with the guns and this kind of stuff. And the thing of it is, is they're, they're standing ground that they don't have the, the moral authority to hold. And at this point, um, they're quickly losing the majority uh, authority as well. So I, I hear you, Donna. <laughs> like I said, she had some nerves and I'm happy that she was able to get up and walk away from that because, you know, it could have been very- Oh, if it had been me, mm-mm, she wouldn't know. <laughs> they didn't carry her out of there. I don't know if she'd have been on a stretcher or a body bag, but it would have been one of the two. Because I figure like this, that is bodily fluids. We still have COVID out here. And to spit on somebody? Oh, uh-uh. No, that would have never stood. Yeah, and that's another thing. I'm glad that you kind of mentioned that because that's also something that is really not getting talked about that much is the fact that it is still here and there are uh, different mutations that are developing and we have um, now just really the loosening of regulations even in healthcare facilities here locally our hospitals are now doing away with mass mandates and all these other things so um it's really um kind of scary i mean at some point we have to get back to some sense of normalcy but i dare say that because we have this anti-science you know, cult running around here that our normal is is not going to be the old normal. It, it will definitely be a new normal because we have to continue to find ways to persevere and, and preserve our own safety, physical and, and, and health-wise in, uh, amongst people who have absolutely lost their mind and don't believe in science and feel like, you know, uh, with all the gun violence, the problem is still not the guns. And how you make that make sense, I'll never know. It's just, you know, them um, kind of catering to that evangelical donor base. and, and No, base. not necessarily, D. You have to remember, people going to look at things the way they want to look at it. You, I mean, you have that right. But you, <clears throat> you don't have the right to walk around knowing you have COVID and spread it like, you know, 
you giving somebody a kiss on the cheek and it's all love. No, it doesn't work that way. I still wear my mask, double mask wherever I go. And I'm waiting for somebody to tell me, take that mask off. Then we're going to have an issue. Right. So, I mean, you know, but it's like I say, everybody's saying, well, how can DeSantis let this happen with the gas? Well, it's in Dade and Broward County, which are really predominantly Democratic. So I guess he say, I'm going to let them drown and then I'm not going to let them have no gas to get where they need to go. So I'm I'm still upset that, you know, when those protesters rushed the stage in New Hampshire that somebody couldn't get to him. <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have set up a GoFundMe for their bail money. No, seriously. Yeah, he thought he was being cute um, really then, but, you know, he, he should have been in Florida preparing for, you know, uh, the infrastructure, preparing the infrastructure of his state, knowing that climate change, what is this, a, a thousand year event? Yes. That, you know, um, that is cycling, recycling faster and faster. And at some point, you know, when we stop fighting for our very lives, we, I mean, essentially that's fighting for our lives too. Exactly. That's what I was just getting ready to say. That is fighting for your life when you're trying to figure out how you're going to stay above water. Yeah, climate change is, is really a fight for our lives. And that's another reason these young people are are galvanized and energized, because as some of them say, these old people, they um, probably feel like they're not going to have to live with some of these consequences. But these younger people know that uh, likely they are. So they literally are fighting for their lives in multiple ways. Justin uh, Pearson down there in Memphis, a lot of his activism has been around environmental justice and inequities because that is what is going on in communities um, like that, and largely black and brown communities. Uh, I was going to say here. minority communities. They figure, okay, we don't mind. We'll sacrifice y'all. Y'all the sacrificial lamb. Yeah. I mean, they're they're down there trying to take the, the farmer's land. And just today um, they are um, working on passing legislation to um, allow teachers to carry guns uh, like in the midst of, of everything that is going on. This is still what they're pushing. And we also just passed um, choice roads, which, again, I believe is going to end up hurting minority communities because it's it's they're not calling them toll roads but essentially that's what they are it's a public private partnership and i um again say that it is going to be largely black and brown probably rural communities who um put the brunt of the bill but reap the least resources and the benefits the least benefits from from it so, um, well, I think we've reached the top of the hour, and um, so, sister, feel free to chime in here. I think we've had we've covered some great topics, and I want to extend an opportunity to anyone who is still here in the space to remember to share and retweet it because it is recorded. And I've sent out a few invites, and we're going to start winding down. If we don't have any additional 
speakers uh, to request or anyone who is already up here uh, to add any further things to the conversation. But I have so enjoyed it. We have lots of things to keep our eyes on. Like I said, uh, a lot of things going on all over the country. And I am so appreciative of the various uh, folks who come in here to help make us aware. And um, it's important for us to kind of keep our head on a swivel. A lot of things going on all over. I, I just wanted to bring um, everyone's attention to, and I put it in the jumbotron, of course, um, you know, Governor Whitmer has been a true champion for working families and communities and, uh, you know, made some, you know, signed some very great legislation to uh, strengthen our gun laws here in Michigan. And of course, today um, it was breaking as Renee was speaking. Um, the, a, a gun group has uh, filed a lawsuit in Michigan here against um, the legislation because they said that it wasn't an open meeting and that they weren't allowed to give their talking points on how the uh, legislation would affect them. Um, and those are all the details that I've gleaned from it, just giving it a quick glance, but I did put it in the jumbotron uh, for people to, to, to um, read at their own leisure. Um, earlier today, I was listening to, I, I love uh, listening to Apple news um, and that's, yeah, I get a lot of a lot of my news from my Apple News app. Um, but today it was uh, there was one where they talked about what the damage the damage to the body, especially a young child's body, and I'll put that in the the nest as well from these AR-15s. Um, and it's just to hear it. Um, it's they don't they don't they don't hold back. They they give you some details on on just the how ridiculous it is for people to say that they're using it for hunting when, and, you know, trigger warning, you know, when it leaves holes, actual literal holes in bodies, you know, uh, it's, it's, there, there is no justification for it. There is no, no reasoning behind anyone, um, a civilian owning one of these for, you know, and, and call it, hunting it's for hunting no you're not you're not what you're hunting are humans you know and uh, you know i know you mentioned it earlier about the mortality rates and and tennessee and i know that we talked earlier d and uh it wasn't it's not just about uh you know environmental issues or a psychological um psychological mindsets going into healthcare and, and how it's dealing with the communities that they serve. It is also about the guns. I mean, let's just be real. Let's just be rational and everything. Uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm very glad that Tennessee is galvanized. It is a shame that it always takes a tragedy to galvanize people to come together. But um, the fact that this country has come together around them um, and around the state and around the victims and around is, is a, a beautiful thing. And, and I hope that it keeps up because this is the energy we need. And this is the energy that is necessary in order to make a true change. Um, it's, it's sad, but it's true. And um, you know, it's just, it's, it's too devastating to, pretend like uh, this is not something that is 
affecting each and every one of us. And I think of my son who is 15 going on 16. And, you know, when we say, oh, they don't really have any issues. They don't have any, well, not issues. They don't really have any um, worries. And I think about the fact that, A, I've never been a young black man. So let me stop there. But also to be a young black man in this type of society, growing up with this actual, true, very real, too often occurring, um, almost, you know, almost a destiny or promise that, that you have to be on guard, not just uh, from a random person, but also from the police and also do from someone who is um, willing to take your life over nothing, over nothing. It, it's, I can't imagine what that type of fear, how that type of fear affects my son every single day. And I, you know, we have a great relationship. We talk all the time, but it is to me, it is heartbreaking to think about the fact that every day that is something that he wakes up and he knows is a possibility for how his day is going to go. And it's sad and we have to do something about it. So I, I'm, I'm grateful to you, G. Marie, for saying what you're going to do to get involved and how you're going to get involved. And I'm grateful to LMZ and so many others who are out here getting involved and doing more and being involved um, to protect our young Black men because it is, um, and not just our young Black men, our children, our communities. Let, let, let me be clear. I'm, I'm personalizing it by saying young Black men because of my son. But um, this is this has got to, there has to be some type of social adjustment that, that fundamentally changes in this country unless we will not survive. There is no way to survive in our current situation. And, and that's, I'm going to get off my soapbox and um, I see other people have come up. And so that's all I wanted to say. Thank you so much, Dee, for giving me that opportunity. Well, thank you. And in the meantime, um, LMZ, she has come up and uh, some good news. Uh, that young man has been released from the hospital. Um, so uh, that is some good news. We're going to continue to keep him and our family, uh, their family, um, his family in prayer. And also um, something else uh, that happened here that I also want people to kind of look at and, and call attention to is some uh, Jacob Wall-like robocalls going on because, again, they had that secret meeting. But in addition to that, they had the most grotesque and awful robocalls going to uh, constituents, basically calling the uh, protesters insurrectionists, um, out and out lies saying that the uh, Capitol uh, police there confiscated weapons and um, that too I have put in the jumbotron so I want you guys to take a look at that and I just put something up there from my house representative because uh, the rep the representative who um, initially it was done for is from a different district albeit, albeit my hometown, actually. Um, 
is who the robocalls were being generated for. But now uh, my House representative in my district has reported that some of his constituents constituents reported to him the same thing. So I have put that up there. And that's something else um, that we need to continue to call out. And I hope that uh, the media keeps uh, circulating and that these representatives and all those who were supporting it or financing it, that um, there are some repercussions for them because Jacob Wall did a lot of mess. He he took care of uh, what ACORN, the Uh, voter registration um, organization. And then he went on to do um, some awful robocalls about voter um, registration. And and again, a lot of lies. And he eventually got hauled into court and had to spend, um, as part of his punishment, at least five hundred hours registering voters and some other things. But these people are going to be continuing the kind of behavior that they have and just increasing it until there are consequences. So please pay attention to that, call them out, and um, let's bang the drums for consequences for this behavior. And I also would like to remind people that I believe that there is a tie-in. And again, I got to kind of go digging back in my history of stories here in Tennessee. But Cassida, who was the previous House Speaker here in Tennessee, he is under indictment. Uh, His co-conspirator, I cannot, his name escapes me, but he is still in the legislature there. One of the things that they got indicted for was wire fraud. And it involved them spending, using campaign money, but also a um, a um, a straw group that they said was owned by someone else, but was actually owned by them, paying for mailers that was also contracted by the Tennessee legislature. So their grift and their uh, runs deep and their willingness to break the law and tell lies in order to to grift and to misinform people knows no bounds. Now we have to continue to call them out, shame them and wherever possible require um, legal accountability because they absolutely um, being the party of law and order and morality certainly uh, should get a little bit of the things that they demand from everyone else. So with that being said, we have um, Khalil and then LMZ up. And I'm so glad that both of you have come up to join in the conversation today before we closed out. So um, Khalil, I think that you were first um, and LMZ is um, here. I'm not sure if she's working and look who's just wandered in. Oh, Tip, going to have to bring her up. if She's able to speak. But Khalil, go ahead, um, sir. How are you today? Hey, um, <clears throat> hey, D. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was trying to do two things and it doesn't work like that for me. Um, that's well, okay. I feel you. I can relate. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's weird. I, I bet you're much better at it than I am. I just want to step up and say hi. Some days I have my moments. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it's kind of like regular for me. Um, I, um, kinda, I don't have a lot of time, unfortunately. I have to drive into Virginia, but I wanted to just just jump up and, and say hello to everyone, to 
Oh, Khalil, I think we may have lost you. Okay, no, you're I, back. I, Go I, ahead. That's my calling. Um, just quickly, um, I, I do want to, first of all, I want to thank uh, Soul Sister for that article um, on black doctors and black care. Or, um, I am uh, currently printing that out as we speak. Um, I just did a class on, uh, actually, it was a, uh, a I spoke to a bunch of teachers um, on Friday. Days run together. Um, basically, vicarious trauma was the major pro- tra- uh, pro- um, topic. You know, and for those of you who are aware of what that is, that's basically, you know, how ge- caregivers, people who work with people, how they manage um, dealing with uh, uh, dealing with people who who have their own traumas. How that impacts on them, and so, and unfortunately here in the DMV, you know we've had uh, literally, you know, murders, um, young murders, um, routinely now, you know, and that's a horrible thing to say, um, but pretty fairly routinely, uh, uh, and as it gets warmer, we suspect it will get. Um, tragically worse. And, uh, and so the folks that I was talking to are people who are dealing with this every day. They're teachers, administrators, um, folks I was dealing with on Friday, uh, speaking with on Friday, are um, in, in D.C., in the District of Columbia. Um, and there, you could see just the fatigue that's on their face, um, the struggle with dealing with just on a daily basis, and you know, when I was in education, you had, you might have a death a year. Now these folks have not just um, deaths on a regular basis, but you may have a classroom that may have two or three young people who are killed, and so you can imagine the impact that has on the school itself, the community. Of course, but what often gets underappreciated is the, the trauma that the the folks, the teachers, and other ministers um, have um, to dealing with that, and, you know, trying to manage that. And um, you know, it's just so important that we, as we kind of engage in these battles, that we recognize that. There's a certain amount of um, preparation you need to have in place. It's 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 certainly great to want to be a difference maker, to want to be a part of the solution, to want to help bring about change. But it's kind of like running running a marathon, as Dee talked about a couple of weeks ago. You know, you don't just get out there and start running. You gotta work your way up to it. Um, and I mean, you can try, um, but you'll know you won't complete a marathon, you know, if you haven't trained for it. Um, there's a certain sort of energy and stamina um, preparation that goes into place. Um, and when you're engaged in these kind of battles, um, I have a saying, you know, if you're going to, if you're in a battle, if you're in a fight uh, and you lose your breath, 
the battle's over. So if you're going to engage in the battle, make sure you have the stamina for it or the good sense to run away, to avoid it. And, uh, and I certainly want to discourage people from jumping into the fray. I'm just saying, you know, jumping into the fray requires some preparation, some understanding of what you're getting into and so, some awareness so that you can be effective. It's, it's certainly not just about showing up and then, you, you know, you get, you know, you get some adversity, you get, you know, you struggle with it and then you realize it's not something you can do. Um, I mean, it's a learning experience for sure. And nobody would, would put you down for trying and realizing you weren't up for it. But if you want to be a part of that, this battle, there's, there is some prep. There is some work you need to do and so that you can have some, um, some longevity, that you can really run the race, so to speak. Um, and it's just so interesting and very fulfilling to, to speak to these folks and be able to share with them not just my battle scars, but also um, the success, which... I also want to speak to briefly here, and that is to say that, you know, um, we really kind of know what to do. We know how to address these challenges, these shootings that we have in our community, um, the things that we've been hearing about, you know, on major you know, mainstream um, television, um, and, and the ones you don't hear about, by the way, um, on mainstream um, television. Um, we, we, we know what the, what the issues are, what causes many of these things. Um, and they require a lot of work um, and, frankly, a lot of money. And, you know, the, the commitment to do those things, to provide those things, has just never been there. And, and when it was there, say, during the urban renewal period, way back in the, the early 70s. Um, you know, the economy, uh, you know, undermined it. You know, the, the economy undermined it back in the early 70s, and oil, the oil embargo, some of you may remember that, and so on. Next thing you know, those programs started to wither. And then, of course, in, in the 80s, um, and I believe it was deliberate, um, and I'm not a conspiracist, but... You know, um, Reagan destroyed them uh, in 82 and 83. He destroyed those, those programs, the community programs, because um, they were funded mostly by, by the federal government, and he, he, he destroyed them. He undermined them to the degree they were ineffective. You know, some cities tried to take the weight on, some counties, some states tried to take the weight on, but the, the issues that that poor people um, uh, that um, that they are dealing with every day are they're not band-aid addressed. They need to be addressed in a much more substantial way. And um, and we're talking about real change, not not superficial change. And so I I happen to believe we're right there. I believe that right now. Um, if you were to examine, for instance, the, the last Congress before this, the crazy folks took over, 
and you look at what they sent to the Senate, that was by far one of the most progressive calendar, the most progressive legislation ever passed in, um, you know, uh, in Congress last year. Of course, it was destroyed and, you know, suffered the uh, suffocation in Senate, but you look at that legislation and you can see the influence that the, let me be specific, the black community um, really had, you know, on change, on bringing about change within the community, within our society, a needed change within our society. I think that that will continue. I know that we're, you know, as as a nation, we're quite um, fragmented uh, and, and so on, but I believe that, you know, we will continue to to grow, we'll continue to move forward. I happen to believe that, I know it's not popular to say, but that we're winning. Um, uh, again, the results are right there. Look at, you know, our congressional delegation, look at, you know, who's running parties, look at our vice, pres our vice president, look at um, the things that she's doing on a daily basis that, that mainstream media doesn't want to cover. Um, uh, you know, look at who's running the, the uh, our, our um, Democratic caucus. I mean, uh, but you know what? Uh, you, speaking of um, Madam Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, she had a a good little um, coverage bit on Morning Joe this morning, and I loved it. I was not watching; I was listening uh, because I don't watch them, and I was listening via podcast. But they they talked about where she was, what she was doing, and uh, not in a cynical way, like uh, like they should uh, have been all along. And hopefully it is, um, you know, something that will be repeated. And they also uh, brought up the fact that her... Um, her president, that um, vice, uh, that President Biden is very pleased with her, and uh, all of the shenanigans of these other people are just that. So I, I was glad to hear that on Morning Joe because they have um, quite an audience. So um, hopefully that is the first of much more like that to come. I, you know, I again, I don't want to be cynical at a time when I want to be positive and uplifting, but. You know, um, this is, you know, this is part of the issue here. The issue is that um, she's the vice president, the most powerful woman in, in this country, arguably the most powerful woman in the world. And she, you know, spent the last month, you know, doing some fairly incredible things that have gotten, by comparison, very little, very too little, excuse me, note. Uh, and so when they throw a bone, like they threw this morning on Morning Joe, um, a bone, you know, I, I'm sure it's, it's great, but it's not, but it's indicative of some of the challenges that, um, again, respectfully, Black folk have to deal with, particularly Black folk in leadership have to deal with, you know. Well, that's and, a constant for us, um, yeah, you know, everywhere absolutely. we go. <laughs> absolutely. And so, but 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 it's but it's something that we're changing. When you put a black producer on a morning Joe, you'll see more black issues that that center around you know black and poor people, black and people of color. If you put um, you know uh, you know you put her, you put the um, the president of um, 
of MSNBC, uh, Jones, um, you make her the president, and then all of a sudden you got a Saturday number, Saturday morning lineup with uh, uh, a South African, a, a, a an, an Asian American, and a black gay man, right? right? Not to mention, you know, these are the things I'm saying that in terms of influence, it's there, but we have to keep the pressure on. The same thing with the two Jasons in, in um, Tennessee that you, you know, that you intimately engage with. Um, the, you know, with those young brothers are getting not just the attention, but you can see with, you know, people like Sharpton and others, you know, whatever you think about them is another issue, but they're getting lessons too. Joe Madison, <coughs> um, Mark yeah. Thompson, those folks are. Yeah, Mark Thompson, yeah, he, he lives here and um, Reverend, uh, he lives here, yes. Uh, in fact, I think uh, Justin was baptized in his church and um, Reverend Barber uh, actually did, I think, the, the foreword or some part in a book that Justin Jones um, had written. So, um, yeah, I think, like I said, it's great that the media is, uh, really focusing on on these young men and that they have a lot of um, civil rights, um, you know, people who have been in the movement for some time, uh, examples uh, to to guide and to mentor them. And Khalil, I do have a few other speakers okay, up. I'm and sorry. No, no problem. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I always love it when you can come in and, you know, take time out of your day because I know that you're in the middle of your work day, too. So with that, thank you so much and safe travels to you. Thank so, you, ma'am. Up next, we've got LMZ, uh, Tip, and then uh, Mark, and we'll be um, kind of getting close to our wrap up. But we do have um, a little bit more time here. So I'm so glad that you guys were able to, to come in. I was hoping that you could. So um, LMZ, how are you today? Hi, Miss D. Hi, Soul Sister. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak in Advocacy Arena, um, such an important space that has held every Monday. And I appreciate so much um, both of you um, allowing me time to speak in your space. Um, I'm going to take the time that I have to um, speak briefly about gun violence. I want to speak directly to Grandma Riri. I also I want to speak to something Soul Sister said and a couple things about gun violence. And then I'll land my plane because we have some excellent heavy hitters behind me who are um, wonderful people to learn and hear from, Tiff and Mark. So um, the first thing I wanted to say was to Grandma Riri, if she's still in here and can hear me, I hope she can. Um, when I heard you say something about considering um, getting involved with your local chapter of Moms Demand Action, um, I just wanted to tell you that I am a member of my local chapter of Moms Demand Action. And I highly recommend that people consider doing that because you don't have to be a mom. 
You don't have to be a woman. Um, you don't have to be anyone but somebody that cares about um, having common sense gun legislation and having safer communities in our country. There are over 10 million volunteers that are part of Moms Demand Action, 10 million from all walks of life. And just like this collective, it's a collective of people made up of all different backgrounds. It's Black people. It's white people. It's brown people. It's Asian people. It's Native American people. It's straight people. It's members of the LGBT, LGBTQ plus community. It's people that identify as Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, or no faith at all. It's people that are immigrants. It's people that are migrants. It's people that are, you know, Native Americans, like I said. Um, it is all walks of life that are all committed, a collective group of people that are focused on common sense gun legislation. Moms to Man Action gets this attention because Shannon Watts, who is one of my sheroes, um, she just got named one of Time's 100 um, persons of the year. She gets attention because she started it, um, you know, after Sandy Hook. But she'll be the first one to say that it's not about her. It's about the movement. She never tries to take the shine or center it about herself. If you follow her account, if you read anything about her, you can see that this is someone that understands that there is sometimes um, someone that's a leader in the sense of they get called on to do the news or the press or whatever the case may be, but she has never made it about herself. She has made it always about the victims of gun violence, the family members who are left behind, um, the people that are lost and all of the millions of volunteers. And she raises them up all the time. She started it after Sandy hook because that's what shook her up as a, um, a mother um, at the time, but mom's demand action is not about mass shootings in our country. Mom's demand action is about gun violence in our country. And so as a member of mom's demand action, and as someone who has been against gun violence in our country and an advocate for safe gun legislation in this country, even before my membership into this volunteer organization, I think it's very, very important to make it clear that while there might be not in this space, because I know we can walk and chew gum at the same time, but that there are some people that like to confuse that the only time that we collectively respond to gun violence is when it's a mass shooting and that we want to make that an issue because that primarily happens in school with white children in suburban neighborhoods that actually the people that are doing the work on the ground, including groups like Moms Demand Action that have gotten laws passed in many states that have done the type of things that Soul Sister just talked about in Michigan, which is absolutely incredible, the work that Governor Whitmer, her lieutenant governor has done, her attorney general has done, along with advocates such as Moms Demand Action, has been around all gun violence, not just mass shootings that happen in suburban school systems where the victims are white children. It is all gun violence. 120 Americans a day are shot and killed and die by a gun in this country. They die due to domestic violence. They die due to their parent 
killing them, killing the entire family, their domestic partner or spouse killing them. They die due to accidental gun discharges because we don't have safe security and storage of gun ownership in this country like we should. They die due by suicide. If you don't have a gun in the home, um, the, the option of a suicide goes down tremendously, almost 50%. These are facts. We're talking about the systemic reasons why gun violence happens on our country, including the domestic violence, including mental health, which is a reason why there is gun violence, including the fact that there have been reductions in after-school programs and problems with young people and teenagers that may, in some areas, led to um, more, more gang involvement, which is tragic. We don't want that to have it happen lack of access to other activities and things to do that would keep them away from guns. There are all these systemic reasons why we have gun violence in our country. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to the fact of the guns. We have a gun problem in our country. So it's not a white or a black issue. It's a gun violence problem in this issue. It is a humanity issue in this country. And so Moms Demand Action does much more than just respond when there's a mass shooting. If you don't follow that account, if you don't follow Shannon Watts, if you don't follow Every Town, if you don't follow Students Demand Action, then I highly recommend that you do it. Um, you get to choose proverbially who you follow on your timeline. So think about following one of them. And then there's 10 million volunteers, many of whom are on Twitter of all different backgrounds that tweet um, things that they're doing in their communities. In the 2022 midterms, there were over 5,000 plus gun sense candidates that got the gun sense candidate validation from Everytown USA. That means that they were running on a platform wasn't based off of their political party. It was based off of that they were running off a political platform that embraced gun sense safety um, legislation, believed in safe storage, believed in permits, believed in background checks, believed in waiting periods and all the things that would make a difference. You will always have people that are going to argue that it won't save everything, stop everything, stop everyone. That's true. Seatbelts don't stop everyone from dying in a car accident. People have car accidents every single day in this country and still die. But seatbelts have definitely saved lives. So we're not outlawing seatbelts because we, the, our Congress doesn't make the argument that um, cars don't kill people, people kill people. They make the argument that reckless drivers kill people, that 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 the fact of the matter is that the car can you can blow a tire and you can wreck. They make the argument that people are texting and driving and not paying attention. Your brakes can fail. Anything can happen. You can get caught in an unforeseen thunderstorm. You need your seatbelt on. It can save your life. It does make a difference. Does it save every person? No, no. And unfortunately, in this country, with the sickness that we have, with the racism that we have, where a young man like Ralph can go ring a doorbell and a hateful, evil, demonic, racist white man will shoot him for being at his porch. I understand that there are some issues that even gun sense 
um, legislation will not fix. But will it make a difference? Yes. And we're not even there yet. We have proof that when we had the assault weapons ban in the 90s, the amount of shootings and deaths went down. It is nothing but a small percentage of Republicans who are paid by the NRA who are holding all of the country at hostage under this. Our children, who Soul Sister just spoke about, let's be very clear, for Soul, Soul Sister's beautiful son and everybody else who can hear my voice that has a son, a daughter, a granddaughter, a grandson, a niece, a nephew, a goddaughter, a godson, a child that matters to you in your life between the ages of zero and 18. The number one killer threat to that child that you love, that you would lay down your own life for is not a car accident. It is not cancer. It is not COVID. It is a gun. That is the number one killer of children. If that child that you love with all your heart is a black child, they are five times more likely to die by a gun. We have an entire generation of children living under post-traumatic stress disorder because they've had to go through shooting drills every year, every quarter in the public school system in our country. Why are we allowing this to occur? I, I, I don't expect you all to have the answer because I know I share space with some of you in here that don't understand either. Why are we allowing this to occur? We have a generation of children that are under post-traumatic stress disorder because they've had to go to public school K through 12 and go through active shooter drills. It is the number one killer of our children right now. And black children, it's five times more likely to kill them as we just saw over the weekend with this horrible situation at a birthday party. God help us. And I know not everyone believes in the same God that I believe in. So excuse me for invoking his name and thank you for having the grace for those of you who are in the space that have a different belief system than me. But for me, I literally fell to my knees. That we are now at the point that you cannot name one place in American society that you can go without possibly being shot. From your own home, to your workplace, to your grocery store, to your church, to your job, to your hospital medical center, to you fill it in, to the, to the park, to the beach, to the concert, to anywhere in between, and now our children can't even go have fun at a sweet 16 birthday party. This is crimes against nature. This is crimes against humanity. It is unacceptable. So Grandma Riri, if you want to join Moms Demand Action because it will give you 
you know, strength to be with like-minded people that like you are sick and tired of the thoughts and prayers and knowing that that is not enough and that faith without works is dead and we need action at this point and we are way past time of having to, you know, dip our foot in the water to see what's going on. We have got to get in it and save our children then I encourage you to do it because it has been a source of strength for me. If that doesn't work for you and people want to find other groups in their community that are actively working for gun safe legislation and, and other groups that have been doing this while guns have been a problem for all these years, you can find them. It doesn't have to be the most known group as Moms Demand Action. But I encourage you to do something. We can't do everything for everyone, but if everybody would do something, can do someone for somebody. If we would all do something, it would make a difference. It would make a difference. If we would all do something for someone, it would make a difference. And the last thing I want to say, and Miss D has put this out here, I want everyone to be very clear about Tennessee. And the racism we witnessed and the lack of democracy we witnessed and the clownery we witnessed in their General Assembly and all the things Miss D has shared with us because she's a resident in Tennessee and saw it firsthand. I want to make sure that everybody understands that all of that took place because our two wonderful uh, champions, the two Justins and the, and the other lady who's named Gloria, those Republicans are mad at them because they were standing up against gun violence at the Covenant Church School. All of that, all of that nastiness, that evilness, that racism, that clownery of democracy, that white supremacy on supply, display, what triggered that? Because those three individuals, Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, and Gloria Johnson, were actually standing up and saying it's not right that those six people were massacred at the Covenant Church School. Do and you that understand you don't that? Want to talk about it. Do you understand that, America, that we witnessed all that off of people just trying to express themselves that in 2023 it's enough and they were standing up? For those six lives that were lost at that church school because Tennessee had already reversed and revoked all kinds of common sense gun safety back in 2019. Let's not miss what started all of that. And with that, thank you so, Sister and Miss D, for the time I lay in my plane. And beautifully, you did. Thank you so very much. And I love the passion that you bring to it. And um, just as a side note, Jima Riri has um, tweeted in the uh, chat that she has signed up for um, Moms Demand. And I think she has um, a meeting. And I am getting involved with some of the um, organizations here, some of the advocacy organizations. And um, so again, I appreciate your passion and I know uh, that you have been a part of this organization for a long time. So I always love to hear you uh, speak about it and share uh, the work uh, and the information um, that they uh, post and, and the events that they are supporting and amplifying. And I just have to say that from here, I know that Moms Demand, Student Demands, which I'm sure is kind of an offshoot of that, every town, 
and a couple of others. They did a fantastic job of helping to organize and they already have somewhat of an infrastructure in place in many of these states. I'm sure uh, LMZ can give you the stats, but you know, there is a Moms Demand Tennessee, a Student Demand Tennessee. So these organizations are already um, established for you to uh, become a part of and, and, and it has a national reach. So I uh, you know, encourage anyone to help uh, support them, even if you don't join them, the work that they do and how they are mobilizing, because a large part of the protesters that were out there are ma are made up of some of these organizations. And LMZ is absolutely right. Like all of this occurred because six people lost their lives to gun violence and three legislators wanted to speak to it and they were denied. And so they tried a nonviolent approach to gain the attention of the legislature and let the people who were there um, in the room know that they did care. They were fighting for them because those are the people, many of them, who sent them there. So it, it is a shame that that is what stirred up uh, all of the angst um, and anger and racism toward these uh, legislatures. So up next, we've got Tiff and then Mark. Hello, hello. Well, hey I'm... there, how are you? <laughs> Hi. Um, I am going to talk about politics. I know Lelimzi gave like a really good... Um, a really good breakdown of everything that's happening with gun violence. So I'm going to try to keep it light because obviously that was, that was a lot to take in um, just hearing about it. It affects all of us, no matter where you live, no matter what you're, no matter the, the, the neighborhood you live in, whether, you know, whether, whether you're in affluent neighborhood or in um, what some would say is a poor neighborhood, which I don't ascribe to, um, but yeah, there was a lot, there's a lot of stuff happening on timeline. So, and speaking of these type of neighborhoods, so I don't know if you guys saw that, that tweet from Joe, um, forgot what his last name is. He's a no Joe wall. She's so annoying. Um, talking about, Ugh. yeah, he's so annoying talking about, you know, working, you know, the white, basically working class people. Um, and that, you know, seven of the top dem districts in, in Congress, are you know have a you know a higher um, I guess bracket of income household income and I'm just sitting there looking at this and I'm like why don't these people just tell the truth like just just be honest about this y'all are pissed because there are black people and Asians and Hispanics if you look at those di those those districts that are on that list I went through each and every one of them majority of them are um, majority minority including my own. So I'm like, I was number 16 on it. But in this day and age, when you think about how people are, um, you know, how the cost of living and all these different things and how much stuff is costing, just because you make 100000 or you have a family income of 100000 that's not 150000 Mine was 116 I think. It's really not that much money when you're paying 2000 a month for rent. You have, you know, obviously have a lot of expenses. You have children. Like, I know people that are making over a hundred thousand and living in New York and they're struggling 
and they're single people. Same in California, right? So I, I feel like they, they take these things and they try to make it into some kind of um, thing about, you know, the working class or white working class. I'm sorry, my husband, he makes good money. He's a freaking mailman. Is he, is he not working class? Those people that work in the military base down the street, not working class. I mean, a lot of that stuff. That's the heartbeat of our country and our exactly. workforce. <laughs> Yeah, most of my neighbors work for the work for the government. I mean, we I mean, I live near D.C., so a lot of them work for the federal government. Um, a lot of them, like I said, work on on base because they work for the government, um, whether in, in the capacity of being in the military or a contractor. So I, I get frustrated when I see things like that. It like really irks my nerves. So he pissed me off this morning. First thing when I saw that, um, of course, I then put. I was monitoring all weekend. Um, it was it was fundraising, fundraising first quarter results weekend. So you just, every quarter there's a there's every quarter. So this was first quarter. So from January to to the end of March, they put out the quarterly report on how much people have raised. So I put that out this morning just so you all can see kind of where we are with the Senate. I am not keeping track of the House. There are way too many seats. But I do keep I usually keep track of the Senate to see kind of where we are and what's going on. And so there are there are only but so many primaries that are likely to happen, which is good because um, we had quite a few last year. So this year it will be California, obviously, between Barbara Lee, Katie Annoying Porter and Adam Schiff. So. Adam Schiff obviously has like, I don't know, dude has like presidential funding. It's like crazy. I don't know how he, I don't know how he amassed $24 million in the bank at this point, but it is impressive that he has that much money. He has more money than like some of the, than most of the incumbents that are are running for their reelection, which is crazy. He probably has more than three combined. At this point, so he, you know, he's he's in cruise control. Um, the other two have a lot of ground to make up in terms of money, and we all know California is super expensive. Um, Kristen Cinema, I know that people don't like her, and I don't know if she's planning to run again. She hasn't announced that, but she, you know, she she still has at least three times as much money as um, Ruben Gallego, who is going to be running against her, and then in Michigan. Alyssa Slotkin does not have a challenger yet. So if she's, she may get lucky and not have anyone run against her, which means that she'll just have to compete with herself, which would save her money in the long run. And that is a must win seat for us. We cannot let the Republicans take that seat, especially all the good things that have happened in Michigan over the last couple of years. And then of course there's those seats that we have to keep. We have a lot of seats that we have to keep. And so we want to make sure that our money is good. So must keep seats, obviously, Pennsylvania with Bob Casey, um, Tester in Montana, Wisconsin. Um, we need to win that seat as well. Oh my God, I can't think of her name. I don't have it in front of me. Um, and there's a bunch of other seats that you can see the list on my on my timeline that we have to keep. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a rough, it's going to be a rough Senate year, um, coming up in 2024 since we have no choice but to keep, keep those seats. And then there's not really many 
seats that we can flip, right? Unless Florida has some kind of miracle happen where people are just totally pissed off about all the things that Ron DeSantis is doing and takes it out on Rick Scott, which who's a total D-bag, but that's a whole different story. Um, So there's not many, there's not much potential for us to flip seats. So that means we have to hold everything that we have plus any open seats, keep them and pray for, you know, pray and for Arizona that, you know, whatever they decide to do in the primary, that person can win that seat against a Republican, which will likely be that crazy Carrie Lake who's insane. So there's, there's a lot happening uh, on, on the Senate side. Um, Just good to start paying attention to, you know, obviously what's going on, save some money because obviously these folks are going to need some money later on. And yeah, I'm not giving a Joe Manchin, but he, his seat is probably the biggest one that is at risk since that state (laughs) is a really red state. I mean, it's a, it's almost a miracle that he is, and that's sad to say that he is the the you know the person that is from that state who is a demo, who is a quote unquote democrat in that ruby red state so we have a lot of work to do and 2024 is coming up unfortunately probably sooner than i would like to admit considering it's april um and we have a long ways to go so lots to do hope everyone has a great monday and, you know, enjoys the rest of the week. So have a good week, Misty and Soul Sister and everyone on the call. Well, thank you so much. And I do appreciate you giving us the political analysis and update um, so that we can kind of keep our, our eyes on these important races. And we'll be in the thick of it before you know it. And um You know, I think it's also important to look at those that uh, we don't want. We may not be able to win, but drag them and and stop their chances or try to find a better um, candidate to help a better candidate. But Marsha Blackburn is going to be running again. So I'm glad that there's a lot of focus here in Tennessee and some of their um, redistricting is being challenged. Um, Eric Holder, don't forget is Justin Jones attorney. And he is also uh, spearheading um, a um, organization that was created to by the DNC to um, address the gerrymandering that's being done nationwide. So uh, hopefully we'll get him, Mark Elias, and, and all, all the folks that we can in here to help undo some of this, because that is also a reason that they have been able to do what they um, have done and, and gain the, the seats in the, the House and the Senate that they have here because we have uh, like 99 seats uh, in the House and 75 of them belong to Republicans. So it's not like, you know, the ones that we have there have the power to really... Um, make much change but at the same time they can by them being there the more we have there the more voice uh, that the democratic principles and agenda 
can be given when the democratic processes and rules are followed. But, you know, they haven't been to this um, to this point. But hopefully that will change some of it. But they're still going to do all that they can. And like I said, they're pouring a lot of money in here. So we need to pay attention. We may not be able to yank back power, but every um, every uh, Democratic seat we can get in that House is a win. Um, every awful one that we can get out, like uh, and criminal, cricket one that we can get out, like Sexton and some others, that will be a win too. So lots of work for us to do. And some days I, I just unplug uh, and rest because um, it's heavy, it's a lot, and um, it's not going anywhere. So again, thank you so very much. Um, we're going to get close to wrapping up here. Mark was here, but he had to leave, unfortunately. And I was so looking forward to a legal update and analysis from him. But we've got a pretty good one from Renee as well, because uh, she does have that legal mind and the wit. So uh, we get a, a little different mix up on it. But hopefully he and uh, she can join us again in the next advocacy arena that we have this week, which uh, we will on Wednesday in that format. You know, we do games, but at the beginning and at the end, we do have some discussion. So looking forward to you guys joining us there. And um, hopefully on Friday, I'll have another one and kind of highlight a lot of the things that have gone on this week. And I may or may not, not sure, have... Um, an interviewee to highlight, but if not, we can certainly just do a wrap up and highlight of all the news because lots of things are uh, going on. And and one of the things that I wanted to point out too is that the Tennessee Three stirred things up so much here in Tennessee that they decided to uh, speed up um, their legislative calendar. <laughs> they are cram they crammed everything they crammed uh, sessions into the weekend and i think they're trying to wrap up sometime this week because they cannot stand the heat and the focus that is being put on them so i just again want to say even when they're out um i know that um, tennessee holler and hopefully now uh judd uh lungum uh has uh got his teeth into something that he's not going to let go of because I guarantee you they're going to be going back home busy fundraising because now they know that a lot of pressure and heat is on them. So let's just keep it there. So again, thanks so much, Tip. I appreciate it. And I see uh, Shantae is here. I'm not sure if she's working. If you um, are not, if you want to come up and uh, say something to us, you had a great um tweet that I did share in the nest earlier about um, Gavin and Newsom speaking to who he would appoint to that seat should Dianne Feinstein uh, vacate it. And I was so glad. I know that we had talked about this before and we knew that he had said it, but I love it. Like, <laughs> you always say that you're able to provide receipts because it's, I feel like some of the things that have gone on here in Tennessee, I've been telling you guys things and sometimes I'll put, you know, kind of a boring article to back it up, up there, but there is nothing like you guys seeing them in action, hearing their racist <laughs> words and behaviors and yeah, leaked recordings of them. Um, you know, some people was like, it's, I know it's, it's not like I didn't believe you, but I mean, it really is a whole nother thing to, you know, to see it. 
uh, live and in person. So, Shante, how are you doing? Are you able to come up and speak? If not, I understand. Send her the invite out. And while um, she's doing that, yep, she's coming up. I'm so glad. Glad to have you here, my dear. How are you today? I'm okay. I'm okay. I was just handling some things this morning. It's been a rough morning, but I'm okay. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we're not surprised of what's going on. This is Jim Crow 2.0. The difference is like, there's no water fountains with colored on it. It's just, it's just out in the open. It's not just in the South. It's just all over. So, you know, we have to, you know, be vigilant and stay vigilant. The best thing is like now you have, it's a mixed diverse of people that are willing to, you know, stand in a good fight. So, you know, that and all. And then to the video that I had put it out, you know, Molly Jungfast, she's one of the people that will delete her tweets. Like she throws stones and hide her hands. Like she does stuff like that. Like she does. She's not the only one, but she's. She, she did she didn't know about you and and a few others in the collective and she has done that she did that with alvin bragg throws stones hide her hands she throws stones and hide her hands about tish james throws stones and hide her hands about hokel now like everyone think oh well you know your governor like it's the first female governor now it's just like there's no budget still here you know there's there's you know we're it's almost two weeks the budget was due and you know, people, state um, mayors and county execs are like stuck in limbo because they really kind of like don't know what to do, what they're going to see what the budget is for, you know, starting July 1st. So like they say um, there was a few people in the collective saying that how 2023 is going to be rough kind of like financially. And it's kind of true in a way because of what has happened during COVID and because of what happened during COVID and all the stuff that has to be fixed. And then now like you have a Republican majority in the house of representatives and Kevin McCarthy coming here, like it, like trying to cut things that, you know, that their constituents need is not going to help the economy It's going to make the economy worse. But this is where we are. People have to, you know, make roads and do ends meet. It's, it's tough. It's tough for everyone. So, you know, and with this state being the most, you know, taxed because during the pandemic, the Trump administration taxed our state so high. Let's say if you live in New York City and if you circle something in New York City in your taxes, you're getting taxed all this amount. Keep in mind, you don't make as much because you live in New York City. So it's just it's, it's this whole tax. That's what Tip was talking about. Like it, um, the when you just throw out the numbers without the context, it, it doesn't tell the full picture or the true picture. Yeah. And so now that the tax code's been, it's been, it's partisan, it's, it's partisan jack up, you know, it's partisan jack up because of this administration and the tax codes honestly really kind of been shitty since Reagan administration, because in a way, every tax law was passed by Republicans. And that's something that Democrats should work on is the financial messaging like we got everything but we need to work better on our financial messaging and try to pass tax laws when we was trying to pass the build back better agenda of course you had like two democrats that stole it that's why they say um 
electing people in legislative branches do matter and local branches do matter and local elections all elections matter because now like look at this like we're in a mess so yeah so it's not really going to be too crazy of a recession depending on how things go but kevin mccarthy is going to have to negotiate not the president but kevin mccarthy is going to have to negotiate because healthcare off the table he's going to have it's going to be like two against one it's going to be him against chuck schumer and joe biden it's going to be those two against each other and that's how it's going to be but back to but but Kevin made a lot of promises when he was trying to get that speakership and, you know, Joe Biden held them all up there. He had them all standing, supporting, not doing anything to Medicare. And now they've got to show their work and show the numbers and uh, they're dragging their feet. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it, it's looking crazy. And then but back to Molly, you know, throwing rocks and hiding her hands, uh, you know, her girl, I guess all their girls, Katie Porter was on The View today, basically having no plan and no agenda on how, you know, the uh, the state, the legislative branch is going to draw up legislation to freaking, well, on the Democratic side. Of course, she's not going to have no legislation to draw up when it comes to ethics on the Supreme Court. She's not going to. You know, there's other people in the Democratic Party going to, but not her. You know, it's it's just amazing to me how like there's a selective few that was like, oh my my warrior, my 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 Katie Porter is a warrior, and Katie Porter has not had no really substantial legislation passed. It's just astounding to me. But this is where we are in our politics. Everything is so divided and so it's like it's like backwards feminism in the wrong way. It's like feminism defined wrong. That's why. And I just sit back and just watch. But Dee, thank you for letting me speak in your space. And I'm just going to sit here and listen. Well, thank you so much. I am so glad that you uh, did have a moment um, that you could take out of your day to come in and share with us. And um, again, thank you for the work that you do. Um, you have your spaces on Tuesday. And I can't remember, are you taking a break this Tuesday? Um I, I don't know when I'm going to take a break, but I'll probably okay. do it live Tuesday, but I won't be that long. So Okay. All right. Well, uh, just send the invite and I will try to be there. And I would encourage anyone else who um, is interested in having great conversations with um, other people who are like-minded, who um, know what's going on, who want to know what's going on. It's a great space, and uh, Shantae is a great host, and she does some other things, too, so she's a good follow, guys. So again, thank you for coming in, and if there is no one else, um, I am going to wrap us up, and again, thank you all for being here. Please do share and retweet the space because it is recorded for those who were not able to join in the conversation or visit the space while we were here. I've feel that they will find it informative. So I'm going to give my co-host an opportunity to give us some closing thoughts, and then I will close this out. Uh, thank you so much, Dean. And as always, um, Advocacy Arena um, is feeding me, as it always does. So, uh, you know, I just have a, a really quick story. So 
not many people realize that uh, I do have to sometimes jump out and uh, deal with the mom things and uh, pick my son up from school. So he he often hears your voices um, and has come to recognize and respect and and um, understand who each people you know each speaker is uh, and when I picked him up it was when LMZ was preaching the word and I appreciate that so much thank you everything you said every time you speak it is um, so fulfilling for me and so he gets in the car and you know you can hear it because I keep I keep the volume up I'm not ashamed of what I'm listening to or or, or what is being said in these spaces and he said um she preaching today I said yes she is she she not holding back today and I, I was just it's the 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 kids who kind of stopped it's just to listen um <laughs> It's just uh, they 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 want to be involved. This this community, these these kids, um, this generation, they have a lot of things that we can criticize. But one of the things that they truly believe in is the the sanctity of life and uh, how they can affect that what can they do and to to see them kind of pause to hear what was being said it was just it it was very fulfilling to me um nodding of the heads the love that was uh being given for the words that were being spoken in the space is it's just it's a beautiful thing um and and i love i love i love renee always but Renee I just want to say if you're still here you know imitation is the best form of flattery but nobody does it like you baby so don't worry about any of that and Tiff came with the stats I'm just every time I'm in this space it does it's very helpful because it does help me get through my week it gives me back the fire I need because sometimes by Friday we are all dragged down so thank you all for bringing the fire and I appreciate that. Um, D, as always, <laughs> uh, you you never cease to amaze me um, with how you just flow with these these facts right off the top of your head, or these uh, stories, the historical um, background, and and it's so appreciated. And you know, Tennessee is lucky to have you, although um, they don't deserve you. So with that, um, I will just say thank you all so much. And um, I am so grateful to be a part of this collective. Oh, that is so sweet, Soul Sister. And I am so happy that, I mean, uh, LMZ filled me up and many of you do very often. So I, you know, I come here to get filled as, as much as uh, to provide information. So it's a mutual exchange, but that I'm so glad that you shared that story because it does my heart good to know that our voices are being carried uh, in in places uh, to people that we may never meet um, and that it matters. It's having an effect. And, you know, I often tell you guys about my granddaughter and how she is sitting here oftentimes when I'm doing this space and she, uh, 
is reciting the quote, the John Lewis quote. And um, I see her tune in oftentimes with certain speakers or certain subjects. So uh, the work, like I said, that we're doing here, the conversation uh, is important. And it, I believe that it is is also part of um, the work that is going to bring us the results that we are seeking. And it's incumbent on all of us to continue to do it. And I feel like the conversations like this just um, help us learn from one another better ways to do it or to amplify the work of those who are doing it. Because we all have our own special talents and, and lanes and avenues. And I say, you know, just, you know, find your lane your work, your passion, and just put your all into it. And, and together we can share it, put it all in that beautiful pot of democracy uh, because we do live in a very, very diverse country. And when we are all allowed to live to our full um, humanity and glory, um, you know, then our democracy will be glorious and, and beautiful for, for all of us. And I don't know, it's such a simple, simple concept, but um, there is um, just a huge push from the other party to take us back in the opposite direction to uh, ugliness and to harmful periods that we, I felt, had uh, grown beyond and past. And I um, oftentimes, I, I'm a little bit of a history buff. And um, I, I think about, you know, periods in our own history, like we have good and bad history. We have people in our state who, you know, um, have done awesome things and, and, and work and people who have done awful things um, as well. You know, Andrew Jackson, the trail of uh, tears runs right through here. So um, I'm very keen on the, the idea and the um, agenda that can manifest itself very quickly into uh, really eradicating and disappearing people. Why? Because it happened. And history is important. Um, the saying of, if you don't learn from it, you are doomed to repeat it, came from somewhere because of something, because it is true. And the fact that they are working so hard to take away our history. I, um, I'm going to work on a, on a graph, but over the past three years, they have been very, very busy, not only expanding um, the um, ability of people to to carry firearms and, and guns without any regulation. So basically just creating the most lax state of uh, gun regulation that there is. They have been doing the very same thing in our system of education, the push toward privatization and charter schools, defunding the public uh, education system here. Our governor, again, quietly, with no fanfare, did pretty much the same thing that President um, Trump did when he was in office by nominating Betsy DeVos, someone who had never gone to public school, whose mission was to um, make private charter schools um, the premier form of education in this country. That's who he appointed to that department. 
and and now she lives here and our governor did the same thing and it, not appointing her but someone very much like her whose philosophy is that of um, private and, and charter schools and again I have nothing against them but to defund or demolish the private school system without setting something else up better in its place or doing it in such a nefarious way basically as to um, defund it to cripple it because you know essentially that's what they've been trying to do to TSU the only um, you know the H one of the HBCUs that we have here it's a land-grant university so is UT which is you know the pride and joy of the state half of the legislature are you know alumni from UT and they like TSU are a land-grant university. When they submit their budget, they get everything they want and more. When TSU has submitted their budget for decades, decades, I'm not just talking recently, I'm talking decades, like half a century, they have not been given the budget that they have asked for. Um, so it's pretty hard to keep a university going, um, going strong and uh, providing the, the best um, educational environment and resources that they can when they don't have the funds. And essentially, they're doing the same things now to the pre-K through high school. And not only taking away the funding, you couple that with the assault on um, teachers that they um, have begun first with COVID and um, all of the anti-science uh, behavior and rallying around that. And now with the CRT, which it's not getting talked about a lot, but they are still very actively pursuing that approach and that plan, which essentially is to take away the history of black and brown people, of anybody other than the white settlers, you know, the redemptionist, you know, the lost cause crew. Those are the narratives and, you know, that they are trying to proliferate. And it's very dangerous. And I, I think about it a lot and I see it and I recognize it for what it is because I spent a decade in Germany and we know what happened there and the ways in which it uh, began happening, you can see them being repeated and in and, and parallel to things that are going on here. Certainly their propaganda, we have Fox and them um, taking away the ability of children and uh, the populace in general to learn and to get access to certain information, the assault on the media, and now this, this gun um, fetish that they have and that they're pushing so much so that now it is not even unusual or weird for us to see our lawmakers make Christmas cards, postcards with them, their family, you know, toddlers and everyone with um weapons of war with guns. I mean, it, it is sick, sick, sick. And someday we'll be able to look back at this as a society and to see how sick it is. But it is so prevalent that we're not even surprised by it when we see it anymore. And, you know, I am reading stories about youth being more like we are, they're experiencing active shooter drills. And at the same time, many of them are also being exposed to a gun culture that's being 
made to feel um, very a very normal part of life, like teaching them and getting them comfortable um, with them. And that scares me. And it brings it, it, it makes me think about what Hitler did and those terms of after a certain period of time they were there, they did away with a lot of youth organizations that were designed to get kids out in the outdoors, uh, like the Boy Scouts and, and any organizations like that. They literally banned them. And what they did, um, once they were banned, uh, they created their own youth camps. And these became the frontline soldiers in time over, you know, years that they used um, to go to war. Um, and of course, the Jewish kids were not able to join the uh, Hitler Youth camps and, and foundations. So I see, again, so many similarities that I just want us to be aware of. So like I said, more and more, I want us to, you know, talk about the white Supreme, talk about what they're doing, but um, draw that line and those dots connected to the uh, white supremacy and, and to fascism, because it absolutely is what is going on here. And we need to call a thing a thing and to keep fighting because the time to fight against that is while we still can, because there will come a time if we don't, that we won't be able to, or, or it will really be futile, which is what a lot of these GOP trifecta states want us to feel now, you know, the way they're behaving is that, you know, like it's futile. You can't do anything about it. We have the power, we have the control, and we're going to push our agenda down your throat no matter what you say. But I just want to thank you all for giving me an opportunity to have a space um, uh, to, to share uh, my thoughts and feelings with like-minded people who I know seek to be informed and engaged. Um, and I just want to leave you with these words from the late great Representative John Lewis. And that is, do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful, be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. So I just want to encourage all of you to keep making noise and getting in good trouble. And uh, they actually have some good trouble training coming to Tennessee. So happy. Please do check out the things that are up in the um, Jumbotron. Um, if you are uh, you miss anything, come back in and listen, because I also put um, up there the uh, King Center is actually giving nonviolence training classes here tomorrow. I have signed up for that and hoping that it will be an opportunity to network with some of these um, organizations and um, coalition building, you know, an opportunity. So I'm looking forward to that. And I just would that encourage. That is awesome. Yes. I'm so excited. I just got my confirmation, so I didn't want to say anything, but yes. Yeah, so they're doing that. So I feel like I'm kind of uh, getting to do something that my hero, whose words I always read at the closing of this, John Lewis, um, you know, did. And um, so I'm really looking forward to that. And I will definitely 
share my experience with you guys. And as I, I said, just keep making noise and get trouble. Do whatever you can from wherever you can. And when you need to take a rest, uh, there are many of us much more than they would like to have us believe. And so there are enough of us that when necessary, some of us can take a break, we can rest, um, recharge while others are still fighting. So uh, I just want to leave you guys uh, with peace and blessings. And thank you all again for joining Soul Sister and I today for a wonderful conversation.